The scripture this morning is in John chapter 17, verses 13 through 21. And we'll be reading it in the New International Version. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that you may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. And my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. May God's word shape and form us today. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Last, last Sunday we had uh, celebrated Easter or Resurrection Sunday and um, um, it was really good. We had a Easter egg hunt, a community Easter egg hunt at 9.30 and not, our service obviously it starts at 10.00. So I was kind of dubious. I was like, uh, 9.30 to 10, that turnover is pretty quick. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And are we going to start service late? Details, logistics. So it's like 9 o'clock, and it's pouring rain, and it's cold. Like Seattle, you can't figure out the weather right now. It's sunny. There's a rainbow. And then you're, people are out there sunbathing and kicking the ball around. And then all of a sudden, it snows. It's like, what's going on? Right? What's going on in Seattle? I do not get this. Uh, so it was raining, and I was like, oh my gosh. This is going to be a disaster. Who's going to come to this Easter egg hunt? Uh, but kids will not be denied. Right? You say Easter egg, and they're like, They're like, go crazy over Easter eggs. And so all these families came, and then... People were cold, right? And we had pastries and hot chocolate and ap- uh, apple cider and coffee ready to go. And so we're like, you guys want coffee? Everyone's like, yes, let's go in. We're wet. We're cold. We're tired. Our kids, thankfully, every kid had eggs and stuff. They wanted to go through their eggs. So they came downstairs into our fellowship hall. Completely new people, people we haven't met from our neighborhood, just saw our Facebook posts or our flyers and stuff like that. And so they came downstairs and, and then we made an invitation. Oh, just in case you didn't know, we have a service right now upstairs. So just come on up. And everyone, it seemed like everyone just came up, whether they knew what was happening or not or like... I'm just here for the Easter eggs. Oh, Easter means Jesus? There's something that happens with that? They just all came up, and there were kids, like, dancing around while we were playing music. It was really awesome uh, to meet people. 
Um, so I'm really glad about that. But the thing is, is that Easter or Resurrection Sunday isn't just a one-time event. Right? It's every Sunday. It's every day of our lives. The reality that Christ has risen and that he's alive and that he's defeated death and God has robbed the grave is a reality every day. And that's why we can come and worship. And that's why we can actually lean into Jesus. We can lean into God and trust him with our lives, our actual lives, our everyday lives, because he's alive, he hears us, he weeps with us, he cares about us, he has concerns for us, he has concern for the world, right? He has concerns for our neighborhood, for our schools, right? for our governments, for the immigrants in our country, for those who are suffering um, in poverty and hunger. He has concern and is working powerfully through his Holy Spirit in the world. And so that's just the truth that we proclaim, uh, not just once a year, but we want to proclaim that all the time, that Christ is risen and he's risen indeed, and that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. So I don't know about you, how old you are, but you know, I grew up in a time before, when I was a kid, we didn't have cell phones, right? We didn't have Really, I, I think we saw the first computers, personal computers that are like really huge. Um, was it like the Commodore, Apple, or the Commodore was really popular and we'd play like uh, uh, Oregon Trail on it and stuff like that and there was like floppy disks. Um, and then the internet came around, dial up, it was like <laughs> Right, and we were trying to like, and you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. But back then it was so cool. Wow, internet, somehow I'm, I'm tapped into this thing and it's giving me information. That is so cool. But if we, any of us were to dial up on our computers today, we'd be like, this is taking so long. This is worse than Seattle traffic, right? Everything is so instant. And I wonder what did people do before cell phones? How did you meet up? How did you meet up and, and like... Oh, we're going to go to the mall, or we're going to meet up in this place at this time. You had to be on time. And I think that's why people don't show up on time nowadays. It's because we have cell phones. We have an excuse and a medium to communicate and say, I'm going to be five minutes late. I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Because back before cell phones, someone's five minutes late, 15 minutes late. You didn't know if they were dead, if they got in an accident, like if they were lost. You're like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Until... The beeper came around. The pager. It's like, oh, at least now you can dial up on the pager, like, and it gets to them. Oh, I'm calling. And we did, me and my friends, like, this is junior high, high school, we'd have code numbers for each other. Like, my friend Young was like, 911. Oh, that's Young. Everything is an emergency, right? And so we're like, oh, Young's calling. I better call him. And then we go to the payphone. Like, when's the last time you've used a payphone? Right? Why do people, what did people do before these forms of communication, right? How did you say, I can't make it, or I'm lost, or let's meet up here, let's change, let's change what we're doing. Dave, the church is locked, and there's a food pantry, food bank's opening up, and we don't have a key, right? That's what happened Wednesday, and it's like, 
there would be, it just wouldn't happen, right? And so communicating. And I think about this, I think about my brain. My brain can't hold a lot of information, can't hold a lot of details. My wife says something to me, Dave, can you make sure to take the trash out, go get some milk next time you're at the grocery store, and this and this and this. And she says, you got it? And I go, "Uh uh-huh. But I have this glazed look on my face, like the screensaver (laughs) mode. And she knows, you didn't listen, I'll text you later. I'll text you a list later, right? It's like, what? I I was paying attention, right? What is this glazed look you're talking about? But I have it on a regular basis. And so she texts me certain things to pick up, you know. And before she leaves on a trip or before she leaves for work and there's things that need to get done in the home or with the children, she texts or writes a note and tells me like triple confirmation, double confirmation, quadruple confirmation to make sure I get that information. And I see this and John, right? In these late, later chapters in John, this is uh, our passage in particular today comes from uh, what's called, often called the upper, upper room discourse. So Jesus and John is with his disciples, the last supper, the last meal, in the upper room of a home. And he's having a conversation with them. The disciples that are closest to them, the people that he's invested years into, who have been following him and he's been teaching them and trying to explain what he's all about, what his identity is in terms of being the Messiah sent by God to save the world. And they're still, you know, we like to laugh at the disciples. We're like, they're dense, they're dull-witted, they're, they don't get it. How, how can they just not get it? You're going to die? He's been saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and be raised up. And they're like, I don't get it, Jesus. Right? And Peter's like the dumbest of them all. And uh, we like to laugh at them and make fun of them. But we're like that too, right? We forget. We get, when we hear truth when we, from the Bible or from other people, when we hear God's love songs, love stories to us, our eyes get glazed over, right? The eyes of our heart get on screensaver mode. Uh-huh, God, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Ah, right? No one loves me. No one loves me. No one loves me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Screensaver. Screensaver. And he has to send texts to us. He has to send soul notes. Right? Double confirmation. Triple confirmation. Quadruple confirmation. I love you. You're my child. I'm working in you and through you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm alive. And that makes all the difference. And he has to remind us. He has to communicate with us. And Jesus, knowing that he's nearing his death, has a lot to say to his disciples. That's the upper room discourse. If you knew you were going to die in a few days, right, what would you do? And I think about that. What would I say to my children? I'd probably make like 500 YouTube videos. Isaiah for his 12th birthday. Isaiah for his 15th birthday. Isaiah for the first time you drive your car. Isaiah for uh, your prom date. Blah, 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 blah. Cammy this, Cammy this. What would you want to communicate to your children? What would you want to communicate to your spouse? And so this is the upper room discourse. Jesus is communicating with disciples. He's about to leave and he's about to join the Father. 
And he says all of these things, right? And it's really amazing. If you want to go through all of it, you know, you get the vine and the branches passage, right? If you abide in me and I abide in you, I am with God and God is with me and you can be with me, right? And I am sending you. And, and there's all of these motifs. Some of the motifs uh, revolve around joy, right? If you abide in me, if you follow my commandments, if, if you're with me, then your joy will be made complete. And there's this, this other theme of Jesus wanting to make sure that the disciples know that he comes from God, right? That I was sent by the Father, that everything I have done in this world and with you among here, I've done, I've done because the Father has sent me. I say what God has been saying to me. The truth that I speak is the truth of God. I and the Father am one. We abide with one another. And God has sent me. And then the turn that Jesus is trying to make is he's saying that just as I and God are one, and that God has sent me, and now I go back to the Father, he, I am sending you. And God has entrusted you to me. That's why I came. To be with you in the world. I'm not of the world, but I came into the world to be with you and to abide with you. And now I'm sending you with the same, in the same way that God sent me with this truth, this good news. I now send you. And Jesus wants to like nail that point down. I am sending you. I am sending you. And as I send you into the world, though you're not of the world, you're going to be staying in the world. Right? Your joy will be made complete. As you're being sent and as you live the life of sacrifice and love for other people, just as I love and sacrifice for you, your joy will be made complete. Or pleroma in Greek is Fulfilled, like filled to the fullest. You'll be filled with joy. I'm coming not to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. This part, Jesus is praying to God. And I'm, I'm assuming he's still at the table Dining with his disciples right there, right? But he's praying to God and he's talking about them. And so I'm like, is Jesus really saying these things to God like God needs to know them? Like he's informing God these things? Or is Jesus saying these things to God because the disciples are eavesdropping, right? And he's wanting to say, these guys, right? Let me tell you about them. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, over there, may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We are not of the world, just like Jesus is not of the world, 
but I'm not going to take them out of the world. Right? What does that tell you? For me, that tells me there's a reason we're in the world, that the disciples are remaining in the world. Right? And I think this is like a key piece in scripture, in the gospel, that we, in, in discipleship, that we sometimes miss in the church. A lot of times in the church, you know, growing up, we focus on what? Individual salvation and heaven, right? What do I got to do so I can get to heaven? Right? I believe in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to get to heaven. And we wonder what heaven looks like. Are there pearly gates and like golden roads? And like, am I going to be married to my wife in heaven? And like, will I be like my young self or like my old self? physically right and like what what's it going to be like in heaven and we focus on the, who's going to be in heaven right well those like those people over there on the political spectrum they're not going to be in heaven clearly right they had it wrong right who's going to be in heaven what's it going to look like but if you read the gospels the scriptures how much does jesus talk about heaven right getting to heaven in John in particular Jesus talks about salvation but he says eternal life like John like the gospel John uses eternal life um, but also through the gospels the kingdom of God is more prevalent right and what is the kingdom of God the emphasis is the kingdom of God that has come now is that's here now in your life right now that's present right and jesus is more interested in this just blows me away just to think about it like jesus is more interested in the disciples right now living in the world that they are in does that make sense and that's why he's saying they're not of the world anymore right their whole identity has been changed because they know me and they know you. They're, they've become a part of a different family, a part of a different reality, a cosmos, and with a Lord. And you're their Lord. So they're not of the world, but I am not taking them out. They're staying. And we're staying. So what does that mean? The question for Christians is, and what do I got to do? How long do I have to wait till I'm in that beyond over there? The question for the Christian is, what is God doing around me right now? What is the, how is the Holy Spirit at work in my workplace, in my home, in my family, in my community, in my neighborhood? How is he at work right now? And what is he calling me? How is he sending me? God is ascending God. Right? Just as the Father has sent me, I send you. Jesus didn't have to roll with us. right? But he came down and he rolled with us. Right? He humbled himself. He, he lowered himself to be with humanity, to love, 
that's incarnation, right? And we too are sent and called to live, I think, incarnationally. Are you with me, church? They are not of the world, even as I am not. And then his desire is to bless his children, to bless his disciples. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And here you, get to, you, you start to sense the mission or the purpose of why we're here. That those, I'm not just praying for these people, my disciples. I'm also praying for those who believe in me through their message. Right? Through their lives, through their proclamation, through their witness, others are going to believe in me. And so I'm praying for those others. And I think that's a huge connect. That's a huge encouragement and a huge kind of, should be a huge encouragement for us. Like in that moment, Jesus was praying for the people yet to come because of our love. Right? Or Jesus was praying for you, for us. Wherever you are on your faith journey, whether you're, you feel that you're far, 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 far away from Jesus, and you're like, I remember going to church, and I remember why I stopped going to church, but I feel some sort of urging. Right? Or maybe I have my kids, and I, I just have kids, and maybe I should get my kids to church. Right, because that's the thing to do. I haven't been to church for a while, or I don't know Jesus at all. Right, I just came for an egg hunt. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And it was kind of cool because people did leave like the service last week. It was like, oh yeah, like why are we here? What's going on? And but God, Jesus was praying for those people as well on that moment. God, I'm not just praying for my disciples here. I'm praying for the people who will. Get to know you and know me through the disciples' love and witness, through what they proclaim. Jesus was praying for you and me. The Holy Spirit is at work already in the lives of people. And our leadership team talked about evangelism yesterday in our last meeting. And the first question is, when you hear evangelism, because this is blessed, right, initiative of the making deep, deepen disciples, like... Right? Uh, this is just a side note. It's like, I'm trying to be a good pastor, good Dave. Right? Because blessed, you know, they're rolling out blessed and like, here's all your, your you know, they, they have their posters and their materials and their marketing. Here's a six week sermon series and a Bible study blessed for kids. 11 by 17 poster, 8 and a half by 11 poster. <laughs> it's like, that's not me. I'm like spontaneous, organic. Don't. Don't, like, I don't want to conform. I don't want to do the right things. I never sit at the same desk in school, right? And people are like, you're in my desk. I'm like, there's no seating charge, right? You're in my pew section. Why you guys sit there all the time? I'm sick of you sitting there. Go over there, right? Bless. And so I'm trying to be good. Okay, there are people out there that like, like, structure. And maybe even someday I'll give you, like, 
a piece of paper to like write in on the blank, like follow my sermon. But that would mean I'd have to like follow that and make sure everyone gets their fill in the blank. Right? Otherwise we're like, you didn't answer this fill in the blank. <laughs> so I'm trying to, I don't have notes here, folks. Um, this is the Sunday after Easter. But like, so, and that's the problem. <laughs> but so structure, I'm trying to be good and follow this. Why was I started on that? But evangelism, right? Like when we hear the word evangelism, what pops up for us? And I think a lot of us are jaded if you grew up in the church or grew up in a parent church or whatever. You grew up in the Christian culture. You hear evangelism, hives break out, right? You're like, you get these images of like standing, going to the mall and being forced to like have a spiritual conversation with a complete stranger, right? And then all those extroverts would come back after you debrief your time. They're like, yeah, I had a conversation with 10 people and like five people became Christians right there. And like I baptized them in the mall fountain. You're like, whoa, right? And then the introverts are like, well, they're talking about evangelism, but I don't feel, that's not, I, I don't get it. I can't do that. That's not my style. You know, I, I am not confrontational like that. I'm not like outgoing like that. And it's so like individualistic, right? It's so based on like having that gregarious personality and that go get them attitude and being like a salesperson, right? I just, I know how to like pitch the gospel and close the deal, right? And like converting, conversion was like the highest form, right? It's like, let's seal the deal. And sealing the deal is they're saying the Jesus prayer right there at that moment. I invite Jesus into my life as my personal savior, right? I did that like 10 times at camps growing up. I invite you, Jesus, as my personal savior. I invite you, Jesus, as my personal savior. Right? I made people's numbers like skyrocket. Yeah, another one. And Asian too, like diversity. <laughs> but, uh, but our culture is shifting. Right? And that's some of the things that we talked about. Is that people are less interested in propositional truth. Right? And more interested in experience. Right? An experience of spirituality. They're looking for to be touched and moved. They're looking for faith in the gospel to make sense. They're also looking for Christianity and God to make sense in a broken world. Right? Like, kids are dying of AIDS. People have to walk 10 miles just to get clean water. Every day. You know, people are being shot in schools. Kids, innocent kids. Right? Men are being shot. Innocent men are being shot. Multiple times. Right? The politics in our country are just, wow. Women are being harassed and abused. And it's been happening for a long, long time. And we're just hearing it.
um, it's a broken world. And people want to know that the church has something to say, that Jesus has something to say to that broken world, than just hardback pews and like a cheap hymn. Right? What does God have to say? Does God love the world? Does God love these people? He does. And we're here as God's body and people sent. Right? And that's Jesus, what Jesus is doing. He's like, I want to make sure my disciples get this before I leave. You are going to be in the world. You're not of it, but it's important that you're in it. And that you're relevant and that you're engaging and that you're loving people and that you're proclaiming my truth through your actions and your love. And people are on a journey and the Holy Spirit is moving. That's the other thing that Jesus promises his disciples in the upper room discourse. He's saying, I'm going to send an advocate a few times. He says, I'm going to send a Holy Spirit. I'm going to send an advocate, a comforter. I'm leaving, but I'm sending him and he's going to be with you. He's going to be your real-time presence of God, right? Your real-time presence of me with you. To know that I'm moving and I go ahead of you. And so if you, were, if you hear evangelism and you get worried, that's not me. I don't have that gift set, right? That's the other thing. Evangelism in the old model is so much about the individual, the individual person who can go and like sell the gospel. But people are more community oriented, right? It's belonging before believing. That shift has already been made, right? People want to be a part of a community and belong somewhere. And when they belong somewhere, they're more likely to open up to like, to the truth of Jesus' love for them, right? And this idea that the Holy Spirit is moving ahead of us and has come to help us, that takes a lot of pressure, right? The power of God is already at work around us. And when Jesus says, I'm sending you, he's just inviting us to participate in what God is already doing, right? God is, uh, like, that's why I feel like I can do crazy things and our church, our core can do crazy things and uproot our church and just move to Linwood, a random place, right? It's not random. I mean, God is working here, right? God is working in this place and we are confident that he's doing something and maybe he wants to use us. And there have been churches and people who have been doing things already for many years and God has been at work. For many years, we're just stepping in and saying, what can we do? Right? Where are you calling us? Who's, who's around here that you want us to speak to and touch? And we share that as a body corporately, right? Community, not the individual. And that's much more powerful. Right? And we don't have to have all the answers. One story, uh, so back in, the, back in my college days, we were like, you know, 
experimenting with prayer and different forms of prayer, like listening prayer, and like we'd get in groups and we'd pray with an individual who's having a hard time and wanting to have some healing, so we'd get in a group. Uh, it's, it's Christian flirting, right? Praying. <laughs> we'd pray for, our, for people. And I was saying, you know, we'd be trying this listening prayer, like try to see, see images. Like what are, are there images that are coming in your mind, right? What do you see? And maybe there's a significance to it. And uh, so we're praying for someone. And I'm distracted. I've got this glazed look. Right, but I'm praying. But all of a sudden, I'll see this Q-tip. Q-tip. Right, nah, nah, that's just my weird mind, you know, at work. But I just get Q-tip, 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 just, just pressing. And uh, so I, while we're praying, I said, I feel like God is saying, <laughs> and the person we're praying for just starts weeping. Right? And in that moment, it's like, I, did, I didn't know the background, right? I didn't know this was just a random image. But for them, you know, it meant something really significant. I forget the backstory. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back. But that Q-tip triggered something, right? And it meant that God was listening to them and caring about them, right? God is at work, and He uses community in ways that we can't calculate. We just have to participate. Don't calculate. Participate and move with the Spirit. That's that's the kind of evangelism or witness, loving neighbors, that we want to be about at Renew. We want to be renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. We want to help people get closer to Jesus. Because we're all journeying, right? We're all at different uh, vectors when it comes to following Jesus. And yes, there is a place for conversion and baptism. I, I believe that. Plus, my, my performance is based on the number of baptisms. So, and the numbers, right? so I need to get them. No, I'm just kidding. But that shouldn't be the end, right? And as a leadership, we talked about, no, let's not make baptisms like the, 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 the like determiner of fruit. But like people turning and walk, taking a step towards Jesus a closer step towards Jesus. That's success, right? That's what it means to be the body of Christ in the church. It's to help people move towards Jesus. It's a centered set, not bounded set, if you're into that. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. The world will believe that God has sent Jesus because of us, because of the disciples of Jesus and how we live our lives. So let this be an encouragement and a challenge. Like, Open your eyes and your ears, your spiritual eyes. Have eyes to see that no interaction, no conversation, no running into a random person 
or a neighbor or a coworker, right? Isn't beyond God like doing something, orchestrating something. And we just have to dive in. So my challenge is for you to dive in. So uh, bless, again, if you saw the video, B-L-E-S-S. B is uh, begin with prayer. L is listen. E is, does anyone remember what E is? I'll just make up my own thing. Oh, eat. Eat with people. Uh, S is share your story. Is it? And then the other S is... And serve, serve. There we go. Uh, bless. <laughs> I'm representing. Um, <laughs> and so each, uh, each of these next five weeks, actually we'll have a, a guest speaker in the middle there. Um, but uh, over six weeks, five, five of them will be follow these letters. And next week is begin with prayer. Um, so we'll, have, we'll hand out some bookmarks. And people will like, write the names of people that they want to draw closer to Jesus, that they want, whether it's your friends, your neighbor, your coworker, uh, that you want to know Jesus more. And uh, we'll write those down, we'll pray about it, and we'll continue those prayers over the weeks, and we'll continue to be challenged uh, to bless our neighbors. Amen? Let's pray.